Hello, all 562 of you beautiful incarnations of me, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Duelist Unity. I am playing the part of Andrew today. And he's also playing the part of Ray. I'm just not aware of being Andrew while I do that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> always always as it is. But um, yeah, we have a bit of a bigger audience this week. Things, have, things are starting to... Our audience has doubled. Our audience has doubled. We actually just hit uh, 2,000 podcast plays for this week alone. Holy shit. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, I think last week, if I were to say the number of subscribers, I think it was like 310 maybe. So yeah, almost doubled. Very exciting. But. Yeah, well, and, and the response. The response is amazing because it's not just people subscribing. It's not people just coming to the video. But I mean, we've had consistently over 24 hours of watch time each and every day for the last week. So people are, are watching the episodes and they're commenting and they're leaving feedback about the content. And we still only have two dislikes for the entirety of the five months that we've been on YouTube. So that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that considering some of the things we delve into. And, and I think there are certain people who maybe stay away from the conversation because it can get uncomfortable. And it isn't that sort of ego soothing discussion in a way. The ego does not really like this discussion all the time, I, I am finding. And even the idea of saying that you don't exist is jarring for the ego because that is what doesn't exist. So hearing that, it's like a self-destructive sort of mentality. And so many people rely on it to soothe, soothe themselves, not understanding that that is also what is causing all of the damage and destruction in their life. So it's, they're keeping around the thing that is, that is giving them the depression and anxiety and feelings of separation and feelings of worry and all of these things. They're keeping it around because they don't even know that it's like the devil in sheep's clothing almost. Yeah. We don't know it's there. We can't see it. Right. And that, that's exactly it. It's funny. Um, I was, looking through the New Testament yesterday, just because I was answering somebody's question. I ran across a, a, a part of Luke where uh, they ask him, like, where's the kingdom of God? And he actually says, it's in your midst. It's it's right here. Like, it's right in front of you. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and I wanted to touch on why we can't see it, why it's so hard for us to get past that, that ego that, that you were just communicating. And I think it ties together very much with an insight that you were talking about in yesterday's live stream. Um, Andrew and I were, were chatting a bit on TikTok. That will be on, on our Patreon page for anybody who's interested in that conversation. Um, but we were talking about how identity and control are seamlessly integrated. They go together. That the illusion of division is the illusion of identity which necessitates the illusion of control. They're all tied together. And so if identity is control, if the illusion of identity goes hand in hand with the illusion of control, then it's in getting wrapped up in that illusion in forgetting that the illusion is at play where we start to see the negative consequences, which is, which is why we see society as it is right now. And so I just wanted to explore that quickly, how you ran across that insight and how you think just maybe keeping that insight in mind might have an effect on our collective way of life. Because right now, identity and control is, is a religion of its own. It's what we believe in, right? And our culture is based on it. So how can the world change if we can just recognize that they're not the truth? 
Yeah, it was something that just through that discussion we were having, I had never connected those in that way, the idea of control and the idea of self and how both are illusions and how closely tied they are. But yeah, so I think it's interesting. And I was actually going, uh, talking about this in discord just a couple hours ago, sent kind of a longer message just about this idea of how the illusion of control. It's interesting when you look at everything happening from a third person's perspective or just from less of a self-involved perspective and how everything is just happening. And there are so many things within and without this body that you have identified with that kind of goes, ties into the idea of you in that way that you aren't controlling whatsoever. So it brings about like the more you dig into that, the less there is that you're realizing that you are actually even having influence over as the self. So for example, things in your environment, you're not controlling the weather, what other people are doing. Like you are to a degree, but then you also aren't to a degree. And, and the situation just within your environment, which is everything in universe, essentially, it's just how you perceive it and, and how narrow of focus you want to have. Like you could say that my environment right now is just this room or New York city or U S or earth or this Milky way galaxy, any of those things. And then, so that is outside of the skin. And then inside of the skin, you have things like your heartbeat, your breath, you can, you know, have the illusion of controlling your breath, but realistically that's just going to happen whether you're feeling like you're breathing or not. It just continues. I've been breathing this entire time without thinking about it. Um, your, your digestive tract after you eat food, you're not, you're not actively digesting your food. That would be an absolute nightmare. If we had to have control over that, if you get cut, the wound heals without you actively healing the wound. So you can go deeply into this and even decisions that you make are still influenced. Say the weather outside is, is rainy. So you decide to stay inside. There was a choice to go outside or inside. And because of something that was outside of your control, you chose to stay inside. So was that necessarily your decision? And so we have this idea of self that we feel like is in control, but the more you dig into that, the more you realize you aren't in control, but you still have that influence of the happening sort of as this, if you think of everything as just this massive happening and you are sort of like a part of it, a piece of it. I don't like saying that too much because people take that as like, oh, I'm a separate part of it. And it's like, no, you are the happening as it. And so it almost comes back full circle to this appreciation for the influence you have right now, but as you are doing things right now in this moment, there is no self involved right now. So that control that you think you have control being an illusion because it is outcome focused and you don't have control of how things are going to end up. You only have influence in the moment as things are happening, but in that moment, as things are happening, there is no self, there is no idea of you because the idea of you cannot be involved without thought. The idea of you exists only through thought. 
Otherwise, there is just the happening, the doing here and now. So that's just a little bit of a background on that inside of the connection of control and, and self. I love it. I think that's great because, and, and I said this in the conversation yesterday, what you're talking about is the cessation of the illusion of individuality, of separation. And, and what's interesting about that is, again, it, it kind of goes full circle where it's like, okay, so if I'm not my idea of myself, then I'm not just my body. So there's no borders whatsoever. And that's when people's brains start short-circuiting, right? It's like, well, hold on. How are we all the same being? It's like, well, how is your body all the same being? Everything in your body is separately aware, but you're all one awareness. And this goes back to what we were talking about in terms of DNA awareness as well, right? Like DNA has awareness, but DNA in greater and greater complexity can express that awareness in greater and greater complexity, which makes sense, right? But DNA when expressed in greater and greater complexity becomes individual beings. And then those individual beings become societies and those societies become communities and whatnot. And, and that's a being in itself. And so it's always just the larger we go, the more uh, you have to widen your scale of what I means. And I mean, this is what religion's always trying to, to communicate in terms of God, God's plan. Like if there was an, an unlimited I that had will, what would that will be? And we always try to figure out what that would be, but we always do so based on our own perspective of division, because as soon as you're thinking about God, you're thinking about yourself. And so there's a division. <laughs> and so now the entire idea that you have of God has been twisted again. Right. But it's interesting because you, you brought up the example of breathing, right? We breathe. We don't think about it. What happens when we do think about it? It gets all messed up. It's kind of like walking right? Like you're just walking until you start interfering with it. And then you get all, all weird about it. Like you just see, it's almost like you forget how to stay balanced, right? And it's because what we do naturally as a result of our vast and limitless intelligence becomes distorted when we start trying to interfere with that intelligence at play. And that is largely what we're seeing in our society, right? Like our, our interactions with the natural world are a perfect example of, of this. We're afraid of nature, like, I find it funny how many horror movies take place in the woods. The fact is, is that there's more danger in a city full of humans than there is in the woods full of animals, right? But we're so far removed from the natural world. We're so far removed from the way life actually works that it scares us. There's this huge rift and we have all these assumptions about nature. Like when I tell people in the States that I'm from Canada, it doesn't happen so often anymore, but when I was younger, it used to happen a lot. It would be, a, oh, that's gotta be like cold up there. It's like, you don't know where in Canada I live. Like half of Canada is on the border of the US. Like it's really not that big a difference, right? But we have ideas about things and those ideas divide us constantly. And the more we identify with them, the more they divide us. And this is something that I was thinking about yesterday in terms of this, this giant, I'd like to say clusterfuck, but I'm just gonna say mess that we're dealing with on this planet in terms of our interference with what would naturally happen if we weren't interfering. And I specifically mean government and countries and the central banks and the world, uh, the uh, United Nations and everything else, like this idea that things can be centrally um, managed under one administrative branch and everybody else just has to listen to that is ridiculous. It has no faith in humanity whatsoever. And it comes down to the point that it's not necessary. It's just an old mentality. It's an old mentality, this entire idea of, of national borders and a government that's in control is an egotistical mentality because I always find it interesting when you see 
two countries who are neighbors and they're at war with one another. And as one country takes over the other country, they take over all the farmland and all the resources, right? And then the other country fights back and they take back their farmland and their resources. But the farmland itself never changed. The farmland's still farmland. It's still, you know, used to make food. It's still the same useful material. It's just that we're arguing over people who identify with this fictional country instead of just taking advantage of the land and living as we would if it wasn't for their drama. See, that's the thing. Most of, most of our wars are caused by organizations that we don't really support outside of the fact that we think they're here for us, right? So when the government's like, well, we need you to go to war to fight for your freedom, once upon a time, we thought that made sense because we thought they were actually responsible for our freedom. But even that was a mistake because they weren't. It was the people who rose up and created their freedom. It was the people who decided we're done with, with having a king in, in terms of the states, for example, right? It wasn't the government. It was the people. But we always tend to pass responsibility. I mean, again, even right now with what's happening up here in Canada uh, with Trudeau and this, this giant play for power in terms of uh, enacting the Emergencies Act, which shouldn't happen. I mean, the last time it happened, there were bombings and murders and kidnappings in Quebec. That was literally the last time that, that this act was put into motion. And, and it was because there was an actual threat. Now it's because people are breaking some bylaws in, in the nation's capital. And it makes the, the government look really bad. So they just want to stomp it out and, and shut it down as fast as they can. And that's going to continue because they don't know how to do anything else. They don't understand that the control they're looking for, the control they need just to, so they can feel comfortable in their own positions and be comfortable that the system will continue on tomorrow is the very thing that's hurting the people who are part of the system. Right. Like it's it's ridiculous. The ability to shut down people's bank accounts because they disagree with the official position of the government. That shouldn't be happening, but it's possible in this society because the banks are run by the government and the government is in, in cahoots with the banks all the time. There, there's so many backroom deals and there have been for decades. And so there's such a distortion just as a result of us interfering with people who would otherwise find a way to live in peace with their communities if we just let them. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you bring up the idea that the government like sending people to war to fight for their freedom. And nowadays it's like the government is what is responsible for our lack of freedom. It's like they are in the way of our freedom now. And even what you were saying, it just made it clearer to me the government is just a bunch of humans. It's just a bunch of humans who have power, no different than all the humans outside of the government. It's just a bunch of power hungry people that got inside the government and like had this idea. It's almost like thinking about what I was just talking about with, you know, the things inside your body or outside of your body. It's like the government is just inside this body and they have identified as being this powerful sort of being, knowing what's best, or I don't even know if they think they know what's best. They just think they know what's best for them in order to keep their power. Like, I don't even know if they think about what's best for society in that way anymore. And yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. And there was actually, I wanted to bring up that video that you sent me because, or I sent you uh, last week. And it was that guy who mentioned like, why, why are there still so many borders? Why is it so hard to travel? Like, 
why aren't we just citizens of earth when someone asks why can't i just say oh i'm from i'm from earth like what is the need for all of these borders and it's not to say that we should just completely get rid of every governing body whatsoever on earth but how strict it is and how divided it is is fascinating but i think it just stems from our individual mentality of feeling so divided like we feel so divided and therefore as we move up in larger and larger societies we are going to be divided obviously because we are divided feeling divided as individuals so people feel it's interesting because people were moving more towards the idea of global citizenship and and i feel like most individuals are feeling that way and yet we're keeping the mentality of separation and identity very strongly rooted so people aren't understanding why we have so many separate countries and people identify as like nationally and yet we're still identifying very much so with things like race and gender and all of those things so people are almost kind of picking and choosing which things not understanding that the root is just identity itself and it's the same thing on the side of belief when we question belief it's not that we're questioning you know one picking picking on individual religions it's the root belief and it goes the same for identity so it's interesting just with everything going on um when it comes to you know skin color and things like that is like that mentality of identification is the root it's the same thing that led to has led to so many issues in the past and we're still that's still the focus just in a different way and it's not we haven't we almost went so far as we jumped over the idea of not of uh what is martin luther king jr's quote it's not about the color of your skin but the content of your character like we've jumped over that and now it's like it's still about how you look. It's still all about how you look, but we just have to treat X people like this because of the way that X people treated X people previously and all of this. And it's like, it comes back to that identification and people are just picking and choosing where they want to do those things, not understanding that identity, like it's identity. It's just identity is the root. And and that's where it's all stemming from. Just like belief in that way with any sort of religion or belief system. It's not the religion. It's, it's the idea of belief itself. Because identity is a belief, yeah. right? Like that's the whole thing. I've, I've had this argument before. It's funny when I first got onto TikTok, I kind of got in the middle of the argument between theists and atheists, because I thought that was fun. And Theists, obviously, everybody's well aware of my arguments uh, about belief. And a lot of atheists came out and they're like, yeah, this is great. Like, what a great point. Like, Perfect. Let's talk about your belief that you are what you think you are. And that's where the conversation ended, because as long as you're identifying, you're still identifying. It doesn't matter if you're identifying as a Christian or an atheist, you are still worshiping at the altar of identity which is the illusion of division, which necessitates control, right? Because as soon as you're divided, you have a reason to fear, right? If, if you weren't divided, there's no such thing as control, right? You need division to have control. And, and so 
yeah, we, we keep digging into that illusion, like, like it's reality. And again, it's not that it's a bad illusion to dig into. It's the foundation of our experience, um, division as a whole. It's just how much it gets out of control. And what I think is interesting is as above, so below, right? So we were talking about the government. If you think about the ego, the ego is a structure. It's a structure that we rely on to help ease our uncertainty. It's a structure of, of previous responses, reactions, right? Or previous thoughts and previous ideals that we've decided upon, previous opinions. So it's a structure that we rely on for safety and security. That's the government, right? So the government is the, sim the symbolism of our ego collectively, because we are just one mind. If you look at the globe, we're one mind. You know, each of us uh, individually are like thoughts within our mind. Right? We're all interacting with one another. We're all influencing one another. It's one mind changing over time. Right? And so it's just we're witnessing the symbolism of our awareness played out in the collective drama that is our, our society. And so as we change our awareness, that symbolism will start to change. But we keep trying to put the cart before the horse. Like We keep trying to fix the problem without fixing the root of the problem. We want to replace the government with people we agree with, not realizing how many times that's happened before. And it still ends up being corrupted. It still ends up where it is. It's like I was saying before, you know, the, the last revolution isn't going to be a revolution. It's not going to go full circle. It's going to stop. That's the only revolution that's left is where we realize that playing this game is hurting us like any other addiction. Yeah. So where do you, th and I know we wanted to talk about, uh, I wanted to bring up like the big one you were, you were talking about. So I feel like this is a fitting sort of move <laughs> into that. Cause I'm, I'm curious. Cause I quite frankly, hasn't, haven't spent as much time thinking about that and just that mentality. Like this is all relatively new for me. So the mentality of thinking that things will be different or could potentially be different isn't something I've delved into very much. So you mentioned, I don't know, a few days ago, or, or I forget when it was, maybe it was on our TikTok DMs going back and forth, sending videos about the big one and the shift. And you, you mentioned, I think it'll take a few years, but it's, it's coming. And so <laughs> I wanted to bring that up of, of just your perspective on that and what you think that means and where you think we're going in the next few years or five or 10 or 15 years in that way? Well, that's a really good question. And of course, all I have is speculation. I mean, it's, as with everything, everything's in flux all the time, but the way our system works is, is the same way our ego works. And this is very much what I was saying. And, and it's very much like an addiction. And if you don't want to kick an addiction, what you do is you keep putting it off. And then later on, you can, you know, okay, well, a little bit more. And then, okay, now I've quit. You know, I've quit now, right? And then you put it off and a little later, oh, a little bit more. And if you look at what's happening with the economy, for example, that's a perfect example. They keep raising the debt ceiling. They have been forever, right? The debt ceiling is a perfect symbol, a symbolic representation of our accountability, if you think about it, right? It's just like, we're accountable for all the things that we're, that we're putting, our, putting our attention our, and our time into, right? Oh, that bill's come due. Let's just create a bunch of money. Right. And so it's just us putting off the consequence of our choices. And so I always look at that as a very interesting symbolism in terms of in terms of the government. 
the mentality behind the government. There's also the simple fact that more and more people are starving, more and more people are homeless, more and more people are losing their homes. Um, it's getting harder and harder to buy food. It's getting harder to get gas. It's getting harder to survive. And yet corporations around the world are having record profit, right? Politicians themselves are, are not hurting whatsoever. If anything, they're seeing larger paychecks all the time. And it's because the system is as damaging as the ego is. So the ego will keep us locked in a habitual loop until it kills us, as long as it's comfortable while it, while it does so. And, and that's the problem is the government is a very comfortable addiction, right? And it's very convincing in, in terms of how much they can control. I mean, so much to the point where as, as the world is falling apart as a result of the government's incompetence, people will actually say the world is falling apart as a result of the, gov of the government having so much control that they're messing with us deliberately. And I, I, I disagree with that because I've watched the government my entire life. They're never that efficient. Right? They're never that efficient that they could be this evil mastermind that everybody wants to make them out to be. It's just that they are blinded and slightly stupid. Right? And then it's just because they are focused on that end result. They're focused on that illusion of control and division. And so it keeps them from seeing everybody that they're hurting. Right? And so we grow up in that system, in that system, we get told that system is where you want to be. That's how you change the world. That's how you do good. And people do, they go into government, they go into politics and they go, I'm going to change the system. And it never lasts because the system eventually is going to tug them back into the environment that they're a part of. The environment itself is toxic. Right. And so we have to understand where it comes from. We can't just take down the government. That's never going to work. You can't fight this by opposition. It was designed to deal with opposition. I mean, look at what's happening right now in Canada with the, the trucker convoy, right? It's like, oh, you have the right to protest, unless it's a little noisy for us, unless, you know, it's inconvenient. Now we're going to take the, okay, between these hours and, oh, no, we don't like that people are sending you money. We, we don't agree with your stance. And what happened to the right to protest, right? And I understand the people who are in Ottawa saying like, we don't deserve all, all of this noise. We don't deserve all of this, this rowdiness. And a lot of people are in support of it regardless. But the fact is, is that that's the only way the system can change is if people are allowed to make a loud noise when something is wrong, right? But we're, we're getting rid of that because the system doesn't know how to deal with it anymore. It doesn't know how to adapt because if it, has, if it adapts, it has to stop with its trajectory and its trajectory is survival, sustainability. So we are changing. And as a result of us changing, the system is getting super uncomfortable and it's locking down on us to stop us from changing. And that's just necessitating more change. So back to your question, the conversation we were having was, how are you doing up there in Canada with all this crazy stuff? And I had said, I'm just glad that they're gonna be getting rid of the vaccine passport and that you know the, the pendulum is starting to swing back towards center. And, and what I mean is that the government, because of the way it's designed, always pushes its boundaries. It always tries to get more control for itself because that's all it knows how to do. People get uncomfortable at a certain point and they push back. And when enough of them push back, the government goes, okay, we'll let that go, right? And then they let everything subside. And then another 10 years goes by, another, uh, another disaster happens, the government goes, we need control. And they get more control based on the previous amount of control that they got in the last disaster. 9-11 was a perfect example um, of how that happened in the States. All of a sudden there were all kinds of powers that were given to the government to override people's rights. Um, so anyway, the point is, is that the trucker convoy changed the tone. Whether the government wants to admit it or not, 
suddenly everybody was dropping the vaccine passports. A number of provinces have rolled back on, on their mandates as well. And it's because enough people stood up that the government went, mm, this is going to get ugly. We can't do this. They're not ready for us to push them past this point. And so now the pendulum is swinging. And that's what I was saying is that with any luck, we'll have another you know, couple of years of quiet, relative quiet, or at least less turbulence before the pendulum swings back. Because the pendulum will swing back. It's only a matter of time. It, we keep throwing snowballs up the hill, ex not expecting them to come back down on us. It, it's going to happen, right? We can't put off climate change forever. We can't keep printing money. We can't keep pissing off our neighbors. We can't keep you know, squandering uh, new technologies just for the sake of keeping corporations that have been in power for 30, 40, 50, 100 years in power. Like we can't keep being irresponsible without some consequence coming. And every time the consequence comes, the system goes, we need more control, which is what's causing the consequence. And so this is why I say is that the more iterations of that revolution or of that cycle that we go through, the closer and closer and closer we get to essentially the, the, the straw that's going to break the camel's back. And what that straw is going to be I don't know. There's a number of things that could be. I mean, certainly climate change is definitely up there. The economy is up there. Apparently, you know, a uh, pandemic might be up there too. It's what helped cripple Rome. Um, my personal, uh, my least favorite option out of all of it is going to be uh, another war and the institution of the draft. Yeah, I'm with you on that being my least favorite option because <laughs> that doesn't sound fun and, and, just wars like that in my mind seeing seeing myself as everyone just like doesn't make even close to any amount of sense whatsoever so i'm certainly with you on that but i was thinking when you were saying how like comparing the government to the ego i was thinking of just the situation in canada with trudeau and the idea that people you know want him out someone else in and it's all it'll all be better, whatever, like it's all his fault because he's an asshole and blah, blah, blah. And it's almost like you can't even blame him because by enacting this control, it's all they know how to do because they are protecting their entity. It's like the ego protecting itself by, you know, trying to feel better with the ego to counteract it feeling worse. So it's, it's almost like, of course, this is what is happening, because what other option would they have allowing it to be and losing power and then sort of self-destructing in itself? Like, of course, that's not going to happen. Of course not. Like, so it's, it's interesting because and it's frustrating because you almost can't even get that mad at the individuals because it is just such a strong system in that way. And I don't know, I feel like there's just so many potential ways. And I hope it isn't a war, as you mentioned, that that kind of drives it. But I feel like it could be all the other things kind of simultaneously coming into play all of these other situations. And I think a big one also could be cryptocurrency in that way, because money is such such at the root of the system. And it's become such a joke with fiat currency, the way, especially, I mean, I'm pretty much only familiar with what's going on in the US and the way that they print money like candy is just absurd. Like we've talked about that before. Anyone, any 
a seventh grader who takes like a middle school econ class could be like, yeah, that's that's not a smart move. That's going to lead to problems down the road for sure. Like a 12 year old could easily pick that out. So with cryptocurrency and you can feel it picking up like you because it's it's in the mainstream now very much like it is on tickers on like stock channels. They show Bitcoin's price every single day, every couple minutes. And it's almost like I don't even know if they're they understand the impact that it's going to have. And I've been watching. I've seen a couple of YouTube videos of just like Congress or governmental officials talking to like they say it was like uh, crypto execs or something, which is such a joke, too, because like there's no crypto exec. There's no like CEO of Bitcoin. It's like what if you say there's a Bitcoin exec, like you need to do a little bit more reading because like Bitcoin is not a private entity. It's the antithesis of that. So all these people, you know, I think it's almost like they're feeling it so strongly with all of this movement that the U.S. seems like they're at a place where, because the dollar is, uh, I forget what what it's called, but like the the central main sort of currency in that way. But um, it's almost like they feel it coming on so strongly that they need to like climb aboard or get left in the dust. And I think as countries realize that they're not gonna stop it, they're not gonna be able to just like squish this bug that's getting bigger and stronger, they might just hop on board and do their best to regulate it without realizing that it's not going to be regulated in that way. And it could almost like self-destruct themselves from within in a way I could see that happening, but there's a number of things happening as, as, as things build and as they realize, oh shit, like we can't stop this. We can't really stop that. We can't do that. They're going to keep trying to like throw stones in in different situations and come up with all sorts of things to instill more control. Who knows what they'll come up with next, but yeah, I think, I think cryptocurrency could be a decent piece of that, but we'll see. Yes. Oh yeah. But you see, it's, it's, there's another there's another evolution that has to happen in cryptocurrency in order for this to do the damage that it can do. Because I mean, if you look at what happened here in Canada, um, the Canadian government basically froze all of the bank accounts that had anything to do, not just with the organizers of the convoy, but for people who were donating to the convoy. So even just giving money has had has gotten people's bank accounts frozen. And it's because the banks are all regulated by the government, right? But the government went and started contacting crypto exchanges because the, the truckers figured out, oh, well, we use cryptocurrency. Government can't control that. So they started contacting exchanges, asking them to shut down these wallets and these accounts. And the crypto exchange, uh, one crypto exchange actually responded, that's not how crypto works. When the Canadian dollar is worthless, we'll be happy to explain it to you. Beautiful answer. And, and the problem that we're having is that Things like the trucker convoy, things that, because we were talking about this, I think it was last season, about how we could, in fact, change the system. Just in terms of, uh, and I encourage people to go back to season one and, and listen to all those episodes if you haven't yet, because we, we were talking about this in greater detail. But 
the problem is, is that even if you had people with land who were willing to, you know, uh, give, give us a place to stay or give us a place to, to store reserves and supplies so that way we could do a global strike, let's just say, right? The problem is, is that as soon as we start using fiat currency, we are immediately back under the jurisdiction of the system because dollar bills aren't dollar bills. They are bills of exchange. If you look up the Bills of Exchange Act here in Canada, I think I don't remember what, which act or statute it is down in the States, but you have a similar law uh, for bills of exchange. And it will tell you everything that is required for a document to be a bill of exchange, exchanging um, representation of value. Okay? And it requires a certain thing, two signatures, uh, the amount, the date that it was printed, that kind of thing, all of which you'll find on your dollar bills, right? Because you're not using money. What you're actually using are legal documents. You're using legal documents. That's what a dollar bill is. It is a legal contract. It's a bill of exchange. That's what it is. And so as a result of you using that bill of exchange, you are willingly in the jurisdiction of the company that printed that bill. So as soon as you use their money, they have a say over you. Same as as soon as you identify with the, con the contractual name on your social security or your social insurance number, they have a say over you. You are admitting to being their creation. You are admitting to using their creation. You are admitting to being in their system. So the next evolution is for us to be able to start actually transferring cryptocurrency to one another directly for our goods and services without having to exchange it for fiat currency so we can go to the grocery store and buy food because that's where they get us. It's in the exchange. The same is true for taxes. They cannot tax your crypto until you take it out, right? So that's, that's the game. And so there is a significant opening for us in, in terms of how to start hamstringing the system and, and taking their power away. And it's a big part of that is stop using their fictitious value, right? Start using a system of value that we endorse, that we want to use, and that's decentralized so that they can't mess with it. As soon as we can start transferring that around, as soon as I can go to somebody, say, here in town and, and just pass in my phone and, and give them some crypto in exchange for some, some freshly caught fish, for example, that's it. The system's going to have serious problems with that because they can't track it. Right? So that's definitely one option in terms of how we can change this around. And I think that it's going to be a necessary option. The other option is going to be, well, it's going to be showing that there's an option. We've talked about this in terms of this conversation even just being um, useful in that we're communicating that there's another way to look at the world. There's another way to, to exist. The same is true for actually how we look at the world and how we exist. And some people want to get off the grid and start a commune and, and, and you know, kind of live away from society. I, I think that that's partially a good idea. I think that if you were going to do that, that it should be as a template for what's possible. I don't think that, like at one point, I just wanted to get away. <laughs> I just wanted to get in the woods and escape all of this stuff. And now I don't. What I want is to get a chunk of land and start building uh, sustainable housing out of hempcrete. And I want to start, you know, um, creating ways that cryptocurrency can be used to sustain that community, to interact with the world outside and to perpetuate other communities like that. Like there are so many ways that we could actually make it so that way communities can form and be sustainable and people can just start migrating out of the cities that really serve no purpose. Because if it wasn't for the capitalistic economy that we have, people wouldn't live in cities. Like there's nothing in a city that's worth living there for, except the lure of money and attraction and distraction and all that other stuff, right? Like if you want food, good luck growing it in a city. 
right? But that can change too. I mean, that's the thing is people have made this argument with me. It's like, oh, so you, you just want us to go back to the stone age. It's like, no, of course not. But that doesn't mean we can't repurpose things like a skyscraper, for example. If half that skyscraper was used to grow food indoors, the city would no longer have to ship their food from across the country, which would use less oil and gas, which would use less, less tax dollars, which would use less resources as a whole. It just makes more sense in general. But then we have to address why the skyscraper, skyscraper was built. We have to address the profit uh, mentality behind that skyscraper. We have to talk about everything that went into the system that was responsible for how that skyscraper came to be. Right. But once we do that, the skyscraper can stay exactly where it is and be used for something else. Right. It's just the system that needs to be changed. What we've already built can be repurposed. And we just need to realize that it's just because it's it is the way it is now. It doesn't mean it has to be forever, but it's on us to change it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> as you're saying that as I'm sitting in the biggest city in, in the entire world. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And and going back to just the part, just like a quick bit about crypto too, I see that almost, I don't know, I see that happening sooner than later, because even like I now with being more secure with things have all my stuff on a Trezor hard drive, and I can send that directly to someone else. And as more people, I think even, so my, my dad, I think I mentioned this on, it was just on the live stream yesterday, but, um, he's always been just, if he doesn't understand something fully, he's not going to put any money into it. And so he, I I've been pushing him on Bitcoin since summer of 2020, when I first went down the rabbit hole and he's just, I think I just sort of like felt a crack in a conversation I had with him a few days ago because he sees, for example, what's going on in Canada. And he's like, holy shit. Like, and he's, he has never necessarily questioned the system too much, but he sees that. And he's always never been in the big government or anything like that. He sees all of the issues with that for sure. But seeing that he's like, oh, wow, that, that is something that, that could, uh, could be quite the issue if, if they have that power to do that. And he's very much pro free market. And he's like, you know, the free market will always prevail as long as people are, are up for it. And so like inevitably someone's going to create or build something that will be useful in going against this type of thing. And I was like, dad, they already did. <laughs> it's called Bitcoin. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> and and so I think he's going to do a little bit more digging into that. But the, the other thing you mentioned with us needing to identify ourselves as part of the system and being a part of this system, like immediately I thought of the matrix when you said that. And it's it's frightening how similar that is when you really think of identification and needing an ID and a social security number to exist. Without that, you can't really exist in this society. And so it's it's not so different. Like the matrix really, you do see it more of, as Keanu Reeves said in an interview once, like the matrix was a documentary. It wasn't science fiction. You see that more when you when you really delve into the idea of, of the government needing 
to be able to identify you in a way and you voluntarily sort of identifying as this thing. And it goes back to just identification in general. It's like at the root of, of everything is, is how we identify and that mentality is enabling this system to continue in that way as well, without us really even realizing what's happening. Cause these, these are all new sort of hearing these things from you. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense in that way. Or, or that makes sense in that way. But I had never really thought of it like that. But when you really dig into it and go a little bit deeper than just the surface of the way things are and the way things seem, it's like, Oh, ugh, ugh, that's, that's ugly. That's kind of, that's kind of frightening. And I think a lot of people will peel that back a little bit, see it and be like, Nope, I'm, I don't want to look at that. That's, that doesn't make me feel good. That makes me feel kind of bad. And I just want to feel comfortable and safe and secure. And, and it kind of gives people that illusion of that feeling without them understanding that simultaneously it is causing so much harm and destruction in that way, kind of similar to the ego and our identification with that on the surface, it seems like, oh, it's not so bad. You, you need to identify. What do you mean? If you don't identify as this human, you're, you're crazy and you don't want to have a psychotic break. Like everyone will think you're, you're weird and strange for saying you don't exist. So no one says it, but in reality, they're just holding on to the illusion that is driving their pain and suffering. Yeah. So it's kind of this mix between people who don't want to question because they're afraid. And then people who take advantage of that for their own benefit, right? And, and that's it. And then the people who just kind of participate without even being aware of what's happening. I mean, this is something that, that unfortunately, the, uh, the Black community is facing a lot, especially in the States, in terms of their complaints against the police force. Perfect example. They'll say there is blatant racism throughout the police force. And white people who are afraid will go, well, I've never seen that, so it couldn't possibly exist. And it's like, right, because you're not, you're not looking at it. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to question it because you feel safe under the protection of these people, where if you had to question them, you wouldn't feel as safe. And, and oddly enough, that's often, that's the wall. That is the wall. It's not that they don't admit, oh yeah, there's some racism in the, in the police. It's that they, they don't want to question it too much because with that goes their sense of certainty. With that goes their sense of stability. The same is true for the government, right? We don't want to question the government because the alternative is nothing has a rhyme or reason, right? It's on us. That's really the alternative is that it's on us. And that is the alternative. That is unfortunately what's going to fix this is when it is on us. But we have to start recognizing that your average person walking down the street who works a nine to five job and actually is able to empathize with the rest of humanity who is struggling through this system is better equipped to change the government than any of the people who have been voted into the government because those people wanted to be in power. That says everything that they need, that you need to know about their mentality. Right? That is the problem with our, our system is that we put people in the highest positions of power we put the, the people who want those positions of power in the highest positions of power, right? It should be people, the people who don't want them, right? It's like, who wants to be president? Everybody raises their hand. The one person who doesn't, you. You're in charge. Why? Because you didn't want it. So I assume you're going to do a job that, you know, is the job 
for everybody rather than just for you. And then that's the danger. And this is why it doesn't make any sense. Like here in Canada, if you want to run for any political office, you've got to be pretty wealthy. Like you have to be wealthy. Most, most politicians here in Canada are former lawyers, right? Like it's, it's a very different thing. And here in, in Canada, we don't vote for our prime minister. We only vote for the majority party. Their leader is the prime minister. So it's very different than in the States, but even in the States, the system is out of whack. I mean, gerrymandering is a perfect example of how the system can get corrupted over time. They can change the, the voting lines of which districts are, are, are for who and change the vote a, as a result. And it's because the people who are in charge of that are protecting their own jobs, right? That's, that's the whole, like, look at the Republicans in the States. The Republicans haven't had enough people to win a majority in years. Right? But they continue to, to, to do well in the votes because of gerrymandering, because of the fact that they keep restricting who can vote. Right. So this is what I mean, is that that's always going to happen so long as we trust in a system. It's always going to happen if we trust in a religion. It's always going to happen if we trust in our ego. There's always going to be distortion. There's always going to be corruption over time because we are not aware. And whenever we're not aware, things go sideways. Yeah, eesh. it's it's so much of that just circular sort of thing. And it's like the deeper you go, you, you think you're going to find something, I feel like. And you hope that you're going to find something and be like, oh, there's the reason or, or it's that person's fault. And it's like the deeper you go, the more you realize that it's not any person's fault. And, and Coming back to that responsibility too, it's the same, I see it the same way with religion as it is for government. Like it, it, it gives people this false sense of security just so they feel better on the surface. And if there was no government, it would come back to us and the responsibility falls on us to make the decisions. And there's no one, it's even like on the, on the pessimistic sort of side of it, there's no one that people would be able to blame and point the finger at. It's like they almost even appreciate having a government they don't like than a government, than no government at all, because they can be like, oh, it's their fault. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Fuck them, blah, blah, blah. Or, but then, yeah, it's the same sort of with religion in that way. Like, oh, it's not our fault. It's God's plan when things, and everyone's just like, Oh yeah, it's it's God's plan, you know. But like, what about all the all the pain and suffering? God's plan, just God's plan. We can't understand as these little feeble humans because He is all knowing and all powerful and sits up in the sky and reigns over all. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, but He's everything and everywhere too, right? It's like, well, yeah. So He's us, right? It's like, well, no, He's like. He's like right next to us. He he's like when we're driving the car, he's like sitting in the passenger seat and and just making sure. And it's like, well, what about when you crash? Well, it's just part of his plan. I don't know. It's just the way it is. And it's like, it's like there's so much cognitive dissonance with all of that. Like even very intellectual people who are driven by facts and what they can see, like there a lot of them are still very religious because I feel like there's just that sense of security and they just don't want to have that weight of responsibility on them, which can, I think, initially feel like a weight and hypothetically or, or 
mentally as an idea feel like a weight, but when you actually experience it, it, and get through that sort of initial jarring emotional roller coaster in the, during the shift or the change, you see that, oh, all of that was the weight and you kind of shake the weight, but as the weight is being shook, it feels heavier for a while because all of a sudden it's all on you instead of being able to like sort of hypo- like mentally shift some of it off of you, all of a sudden it's all on you. Then it's like, oh, I don't, it's like, it's like a weight vest where you have half of it and then everything else outside of you has half of it. And then you realize, oh, there isn't anything outside of me. It's all me. You get all of it. But then as you go through it, you're like, wait, why the fuck do I have this on? I can unzip it and take it off. And then, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, and then I'm free. This is kind of cool. Like there's still a lot of shit going on. The weight's still out there. I can see it, but it's not on me in the same way because I was still holding on to there being a me at all. And so without me, there is no weight or anyone or anything to hold the weight. So as long as you see that you're free, but then still feel like there's a me, there's a weight. And then you're like, oh, there's no me weight is gone. And that's sort of the, the full circle shift, which I, for those, I don't know, for those who listen, I've, I've clearly been going through that sort of, those sorts of feelings for a while, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, so, I'm shaking the weight. <laughs> that was well said. And, and we have to do the same thing collectively in terms of our government, right? Like you just described addiction basically, right? Like often we get addicted to something because we're trying to escape the nightmare of a world that we're experiencing, but often that nightmare of a world is because of our irresponsibility. So we actually have to take responsibility for the addiction in order to be able to let the addiction go. And and that's just how things go. But the same thing is true for our system right now. Like the thing is, is that this is actually really simple when we really want to break it down. Like you were saying, we always want to find a reason that things are broken. But the fact is, is the reason is our decision in terms of how we react to the world like i was having a conversation with a christian uh gentleman today on my tiktok and he was saying this is not heaven obviously this is not heaven there's greed and corruption and pain and misery and suffering and everything else this is obviously not heaven it's like you're right we've made it into hell right but that's the point is that we are making it it doesn't have to be this way. We have options in terms of directions. We can dig in to the perception of division, identity as truth, the need for control and comparison. And this is the world that we get. Or we can question all of that, start seeing ourselves as part of everything else and our actions change accordingly. And then the world we get starts to unfold in that direction. But this is it. Like everybody looks at the afterlife. This is the afterlife is gonna be heaven or hell. It's like, oh no, that's life. That's life now. That's it. Like if you want heaven, work for it, right? Like you've got to, you've got to do the work and the work is faith and humility. The work is getting out of your own way. The work is questioning all your, all your need for control and, and, and your need to assume that's the work you do that enough. Everything in your life starts to change. If we do that enough collectively or rather individually as collective, then our collective starts to change, but we've been committed to this road to hell for thousands of years. Like we've just been committed to it as truth, as what makes sense. And sure, we've committed to it out of confusion and because of a couple of people in higher positions going, no, no, this is the way you want to go. Don't, don't deviate from the path. I'm benefiting. Just follow me, right? And that's, that's what's happened. But now 
there's enough of us talking that it's almost unavoidable. We are going to have this insight collectively. It's coming. We just have to keep working at it individually ourselves. This is what we were saying last episode about the great awakening. It's not that the universe is waking us up. It's that we are taking responsibility to wake ourselves up. And then somebody else who happens to take responsibility runs across us and goes, that's an option. And they do the same. And then the three people they meet have that option as well. And it just keeps spreading, just like a wave at a stadium from one person to the next to the next. But if nobody stands up next, there is no wave. And so it's just about working on yourself. And that's beautiful. If you think about it, it means you don't have to go out there and try and topple any governments. But it does mean that we're at a point now where as you've worked on yourself, as you're starting to experience freedom, as you are starting to go through that turbulence of waking up, experiencing freedom, and then realizing everybody around you is still trapped, then it's okay, well, how do I get involved? How can I make things different in my life and in other people's lives just by, by living slightly differently? And that's, I think, something that we've been discussing a lot here on Dualistic Unity in terms of on Patreon, especially and on Discord and this conversation. And we and I know you and I have talked about my lofty ambitions for um, a piece of land and some alternative living arrangements and to basically make a giant example out of what's possible. But if I'm feeling that and you're feeling that and there's a lot of other people feeling that, then it's just a matter of time. But the system is going to always argue against this as even being possible. People are, who are invested in identity and belief are always going to tell you it's nonsense because they can't see it. It's not because it's nonsense. It's just that they can't understand. It's like that quote that um, people who are dancing always look crazy to those who can't hear the music. Right? That's it. We're listening to a different tune. They don't hear it yet, but that's okay. Because as we dance, they'll start to listen. Yeah. I, I feel like initially in this process, people always get caught up in wanting to change everyone around them. And this idea that, that it's possible if they just try hard enough. And I've seen it in myself, in my own life, try. And I see it with people around me, sometimes other people trying and just getting very frustrated and getting down about it. And while it's understandable, I think it's important to, and there's nothing wrong with going through that either. Nothing is ever wrong, but seeing that you kind of realize that it's not, it's not the most efficient way of doing it. And in theory, it seems like, oh, if I just tell them the right things and say exactly the right thing, they'll they'll get it and it'll click and I just have to keep working at it. And it's like, no, it, it doesn't. That's the thing is it doesn't matter how well you explain it. It doesn't matter how hard you dance. If they can't hear the music, they're not going to be able to. So yeah, it's, it's difficult. I think at first, but it's almost like you have to go through it because other people can't necessarily tell you that they that you shouldn't do that in that way. It's like, you got to go through it yourself. And I've been through some of that myself, but eventually you get to a point where you realize it is futile and it's not actually though. It's almost like there's still ego involved in that idea of trying to change other people because you see separation. 
So in that, there's still things you have to work on. Like if, if there are things you have to work on, I think that's it. Okay. I don't know if I've ever seen that as clearly as like when you're trying to change other people, there's still ego clinging to that. There's still me involved because you see anyone else. As long as there's other people, there's still me. Inevitably, there can't be no me and other people simultaneously. So as you try and change others, instead of being the change you want to see, seeing yourself as this happening, as one with it, without any separation whatsoever, you see that, oh, it like comes full circle to realizing, oh, all I have to do is change myself because I am that which I am trying to change. There isn't separation. But as long as you're trying to tell other people and explain and say like, you know, don't do that or do this or you shouldn't do that. It's like you are the one who needs to look in a mirror and and work on that because you clearly see division if you are trying to change the world outside of me because there is no outside of me. So there is no changing that. And through trying to, you're not seeing that you are perceiving division in trying to change anyone outside of yourself. And that is why it is futile. Damn. All right. (laughs) That makes more sense. I feel like that was just me explaining it to myself in that way and kind of realizing it at the same time. So, all right. So as long as you're trying to change anyone else, there's still a whole lot of me and ego and identification involved within. So that's, that's all you got to work on there. And as that happens, as you change, everything changes because you are it. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, because like we said earlier, as soon as we get involved with the process, we distort it, right? So as soon as you're perceiving others and trying to convince others, your entire process of intelligence has been distorted. You're actually confused. So any solution you come up with for those others isn't, isn't the actual best solution. It's the result of your confusion. That's the problem, right? So in order for us to be the intelligence that we are, we just have to recognize that we are that intelligence and then let it play out, right? But we keep trying to come up with that structure. We keep trying to be able to tell people that direction, that direction, that direction, do this, do this, do this. And we never let people change. Right? And that's why our system doesn't adapt. That's why the government cannot sway to the change of technology that they're facing. I mean, most politicians don't even understand cryptocurrency, and yet they're designing regulations, right? Like they're, they're in, in meetings and whatnot, and they're talking about it, and they don't understand it at all. And if you're ever wondering if they do, by all means, listen to a committee on cryptocurrency. They don't understand it at all. And it's just the fact that they can't admit they don't understand it. It's their position to set regulations. They were voted in to do so, and they're not going to question their own authority. Right. And so the, the system just continues on, not trusting its own people, instead putting its trust into people who are benefiting from not doing a good job. It's kind of funny when you think about it, right? Like that's why I always think it's really interesting when political appoint- appointees end up with like lifetime appointments right? Or, or when there's no term limits, it's like, that's a bad idea. How does nobody see that's a bad idea? That's a bad idea, right? Like there should be absolute term limits, but there should also be a difference in how our democracy is run. Like when people used to be able to only communicate through the mail, for example, like when you had a letter 
for a friend in a city and it had to go through the post to get there, that made sense that you would vote every four years because it was hard to do, right? Now we have phones and technology, like literally you could get a little alert going, we're having a vote and you can just go that one and your vote would be in the system, right? Like a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, right? This is the whole argument of the libertarians is that government should only be to facilitate trade. That's what government's for is to facilitate trade and maintain the peace. That was its purpose. It was not designed to be a social safety net. It was not designed to be in, in everybody's life. That wasn't the point. It was designed to be a structure that everybody who was free could use. That was it. The structure itself wasn't the freedom. And that's where we've made the mistake, right? This is why I always find it really interesting that in, in the States, especially, you'll hear people say, we're a democracy, we're a democracy. Democracy was never the point. Even John Adams said, every democracy eventually kills itself, right? It was liberty. Liberty was the point of the revolution. Freedom, the freedom to believe anything you want, the freedom to not believe, the freedom to just be yourself. That was the point of the revolution. And then it became a government because, of course, the people who threw the revolution were lawyers. Yeah, that is that is very interesting. Just all that stuff and that idea of how antiquated so many of our systems are like they just really haven't adapted to the times whatsoever. And I've never even like that's another thing I've never questioned is like, oh, voting every four years like. Why is that? Well, it's just the way it is. But when you really think about it, it's like if that was because of the the environment during those times when those decisions were made of, of like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass. So, you know, we need we need to spread it out a little bit. And so that just makes you question even more the idea of of full life term limits and and also going back to just the idea that we're constantly changing. Like we are not who we were at the start of this podcast. Anyone listening was not the same as they were. They were always themselves the whole time. And that's the paradox, but they are not the same. They have changed since the beginning of this episode, for example. So to think that people should just like, because it's all individuals in the government and in any elected official position, like they're just, humans they're just the humans same as us no difference maybe they have a little bit more schooling than people but we already know that, that doesn't equate to intelligence in that way if, if anything it's a it's a barrier to intelligence in, in my opinion so to think that they have these super long-term limits or lifetime terms is just absolutely fucking bonkers because they are changing themselves they and yet it's almost like they feel pressure to maintain this idea of themselves. And I think too, we see that in the States, for example, just like with our president currently, I don't know how many decisions he's making himself. It seems like it's his, his people who are pulling a lot of the strings. So it's almost like just this collective mentality of the way things should be. It's not even an individual anymore. So, I mean, there's arguments as to why, it's better for, for a group to decide, but also a little bit 
nerve wracking in that way when there is a collective mentality that is so strong in certain ways. And it's on no matter where you look, whatever side of the aisle you sit on, like there is a collective mentality there. And that is what they stick to more or less. So the idea that we have these elections for people to be in office for so long as, as the world changes so much and we as individuals change so much is kind of fascinating. And it's, it's kind of depressing to think that the government was only supposed to be there to facilitate trade and things like that, to think of where it is now, where like they are part of these narratives that they write. And they're like, we need everything to fit this narrative. And they're fucking freezing people's bank accounts because they don't think the same way as them. And the whole point of it and what people have always tried to get to was individual freedoms and liberties. And yet they're, they're taking people, essentially taking people's money for having free thoughts and different thoughts and ideas. And it is just, Oh my God. It's like, uh, <laughs> I can't, I, I don't even, I can't think about it too much because I just want to punch my computer. <laughs> but, well, uh, and it's not the first time, right? I mean, you got to remember income tax didn't used to be a thing, right? Before <laughs> World War One and World War Two, income tax wasn't a thing. We were told it was going to be temporary to finance the war. Whoops. Oh, they never let go once they've got once they've got their their meat hooks in. They they really just can't. But the fact is is that the system hasn't been a free system in a very long time. I mean, look at um, the election again between Clinton and Trump. Perfect example. Okay, there was such a large vocal audience for Bernie Sanders to run against Trump, but the Democratic Party had already decided it was going to be Hillary. And so they railroaded Bernie at every every chance they could. They tried to, to stop him from being in the in the public spotlight. And as a result, Hillary didn't get the, the support that, that she assumed she would by people towing the party line because they were they were just asking people to tow the party line. They weren't actually representing the people. They were just like, you identify this way, you'll vote for us, regardless of who we chose. And that was the, the idea. And so they lost and they got Trump instead. Right. But the fact is, if you look at Bernie's campaign in the same way as, as Ron Paul's campaign back in 2008, it was a large, a large enough audience of very vocal, enthusiastic people who were looking at systemic change, not just the continuation of what was happening. This is why when uh, Biden was running against Trump, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Biden won. I'm like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, as much as you're not going to have the same week by week drama all over the news, the fact is now you're going to go back to the same apathetic lack of change that the system's been doing for the last 50 years. I think that's the problem under 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 Clinton or Biden. The system just continues on its steady march towards a, a, annihilation under somebody like Trump. It just does a steady sprint towards annihilation. But regardless, the direction is the same. Right. And, and so it comes down to us individually saying, OK, I need to change. I need to change. And that only means at, at first, at least not believing in this system anymore, just not believing the, the promises that it makes that it cannot live up to. The system can't provide you with freedom. You are free. That's the point. The system doesn't give you freedom. Okay? It's just meant to facilitate your freedom. But over time, it's started limiting your freedom. 
I like that last part, the idea that you don't need a system to be free. Like it's, it's like understanding that freedom is our baseline. It's like our default situation. And it's the same with as an individual, like coming back to the understanding that we are all one separation is an illusion. Like this dualistic world that we live in is an illusion. Identity is an illusion. Like that's how we start. And we're taught that it isn't. We're taught that it's the truth. We're taught that we are that self, that idea of self that we have built up. We are our past. We are our accomplishments. That's why when someone asks you in an interview, like, tell me about yourself. Who are you? They're like, they just start rattling off shit from their past. And it's like, that's why I made that video. Like, are you your past or are you right now? It's like, you are right now. And it's so fascinating that, yeah, like freedom is our default. And just because of the way things are and the way the system is and the way we all think collectively, it's, it's like, we have all of these things layered on that are clouding that. And it's like, we are so clouded in our thinking and so judgmental of, of everything, because it's almost like we have to be in that mentality. It's like, with this, what I was talking about before with Trudeau, like the thought that replacing him is going to change anything or, or blaming him for the way that he's acting. It's like, of course, he's acting that way. He's defending that which he relies on in order to remain in power, which is the whole point of why he wanted to do all this shit in the first place. So how would he act any differently? What do you expect he's going to do? He's going to do everything he possibly can pull every emergency lever that he possibly can because he sees that thing coming at him and, and questioning his identity no differently than how the ego feels when we start questioning that identity and realizing that our ego is not the truth. Our sense of self is not the truth. We are not that idea with which we've been told that we are throughout our entire lives. And that's why I think the process of waking up and realizing that you're not who you think you are is so turbulent because the ego is, is like, mm -mm, no, I've been around for so long. I don't want to die. I don't want to leave. And so it, it fights back and does everything in its power to be like, no, come back. Like keep relying on me to feel better. I'm going to, I'm going to soothe you. I'm going to, I'm going to make you feel good. And it's like that same thing as soon as it has us and it's grass, but I'm talking about it. Like it's some monster when it is just an illusion, but it is a monster collectively and individually. And it's like, as soon as it has you in its grasp, it's like, all right, we're back. Let's make you feel bad about shit again. And it's not seeing that it's the same. It's just the root. It's just that mentality. And all you got to do is, is pull the root. But with that, which I've realized comes the side that has always been there to soothe you and, and allow you to feel better. And when people are like, oh, you're so great or such a good job, like good work, Andrew, you, you did a really good job. You clearly worked hard for that and you got it. And that's awesome. We're very proud of you, blah, blah, blah. Like that's the side of it where you're like, oh, oh yeah, I like that. That feels good. And it's like, that's the same thing that on the other side. When you get nervous about a situation, you're like, oh, I hope I do well, because you want that praise because you crave it. But at the same time, that's what makes you worried and, and fear things and, and anxious and thinking back when times were 
better than how you perceive them right now makes you feel depressed. And, and so it's all the same thing and it's just the mentality of it. And it's, it's the same thing we see with the governmental structures as well. It's, it's like so crazy how similar, like as above, so below, like we see it collectively in situations with society and then we see it individually. And as long as we cling to it individually, it's going to remain collectively because we are making it up. It's almost like we are, you know, earth, if you just look at humans, it's like seven to 8 billion cells. And as the shift happens, yeah, maybe there's only 10 million right now that are, are not identified as the, the cell itself and sees itself as this collective. But as that shifts, the collective shifts, and it kind of like exponentially probably shifts. But right now, it's, it's such a small number that the, the systems and the groupings of, say, hundreds of millions of cells aren't, there aren't enough of them to shift that. But as it happens, it'll happen. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and it's funny because this, I remember this dawned on me when I was younger that, so a, a polar shift when, when the, the magnetic poles on our planet shift, it's not like it's, it's a, a bar magnet where it just goes and switches around. Right. But it's, it's so much as, um, the polarity of, of numerous tiny little fragments throughout the entirety of our Earth's core. And as the polarity of those tiny fragments start to turn, they start to turn the polarity of the fragments around them, right? And so what you see is this slow change in polarity of these tiny little fragments that eventually change the entire polarity of the core, right? But it starts with that those first few fragments changing polarity, which changes the magnetism of those around it. And it eventually the whole core shifts. That's, that's what we're doing right? Like we're those little fragments and we're changing ourselves and our polarity is different. And those, the, the fragments that come into contact with us feel that polarity and it changes them whether they realize it or not, because as we've said, there's no separation, right? That's the whole thing. It's not about controlling any, any kind of change whatsoever, so much as recognizing what the reality really is. And I want to mention this quickly because it's insidious. If you think about how good this system is at taking credit for us. And what I mean is that in here in Canada, and I know in the States, you have the Bill of Rights, right? You have the right to free speech. You have the right to assembly. You have the, the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, all of that, as granted to you by the government. And I think that's hilarious because those are your rights as a living being because you can defend them. That's the point. The government doesn't give you those rights. You have those rights. People took those rights and formed the government. But we think it's the government that gives us the rights. Those rights are ours because we exist and because we can defend them. That's why they exist. It was never about the government. We created that to defend our rights. And now it's taking, it away, taking them away from us because we've, we've relinquished our role in the driver's seat of this mechanism. We've just passed responsibility off to, to a crazy person to drive the car and we wonder why we're going off a cliff, right? And so we have to come back to the realization that the reality is that you are free and a part of this earth. How you live is up to you. And if you can find a way to live in unity with other people, then that's great. That's less consequence for you and them. And if you can't, then you're going to suffer through consequences. And unfortunately, our government, as much as it was based on the idea of all of us working 
towards a more unifying way of life is now more about just punishing you if you're being divisive, which is odd because the system that is perpetuating that division is the one that's punishing you. Yeah, and yeah, I wanna bring that up because that's that's a good point with our ability to just exist and and kind of that freedom being the natural state with which we are. And as much as I've been bashing, you know, the system and everything, as much as we've been talking about that, I think it's important to keep in mind that we still day to day have to have the capacity. Like it's not that we have to succumb to thinking that we live in the idea of hell or a nightmare, like day to day, you have the choice to see that which is good. And just because you don't agree with the system doesn't mean you have to fall into this well of despair and be like, oh, well, I can't see any good because system's crooked and there are people suffering and blah, 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 blah. Because if you fall into that, you are basically allowing it to push you into that in that way. And the best thing you can possibly do is laugh in its face and be like, fuck you. I am still going to thrive and, and see that freedom with which I have, because we still do realistically, as much as they try and, and overpower us with controls and just beat us down in different, different ways and different situations. It's, it's still day to day, not having this drastic impact on our lives, like day to day, my friend and I talk about this sometimes is like people freak out about every election, no matter what side you're on. It's just like this crazy thing. And, and we kind of talk and I've mentioned him before uh, we talk about some of this stuff sometimes. And we both agree, like, yeah, you know, all this is crazy. People are getting so bent out of shape, but like, it doesn't really affect our day-to-day lives that much like it's important to keep in mind that you like we still have the capacity to make choices day to day in our lives and the opportunities to see things in different lights and we don't have to see everything in this negative dark light and realizing as much as they try to infiltrate our lives, they, there is still a limit to that. And they haven't done it completely. They haven't gone all the way. We are still able to choose like so vast, 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 vast majority of what we do day to day. So that's something I just wanted to get across because I fall into that sometimes too. And it's like realizing, oh, like even if as things start to shift, like we will feel the shift, but it starts with us. So if we're getting beaten down by it and thinking like, oh, it's horrible. Like I'm not going to do anything today because it's just, it's all just so disgusting and it's so, so horrible. Like how can I even exist in this world? Like I'm going to not do it. And man, 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 man. It's like, that is what's going to continue this. It's like, you have to be that be that change, just be that change and, and be able to exist despite everything going on and realizing that it, it, it is okay right now. 
right now, things are okay. As long as you don't get too caught up in the conceptual ideology of things, it always just comes back to right now. And right now you have the opportunity to see things in whatever light you would like to and, and do things fairly freely. Like we do have a lot of freedom, no matter how many restrictions they place on us and even mandates, you know, that we've been going through recently. And people ask like, how are you able to like, how do you stay positive with the mandates and stuff? And it's like, as many things as they take away, there's still infinitely more things that we can do. So why focus on the things that you can't do? And like an analogy I use, or just an example I use is like, when it starts raining outside, you're probably not going to go play baseball. You're going to find something else to do. So when they restrict one thing, just like, think of it like the weather. It's like, oh, out of my control. And there are certain, sure, there's certain things you can try and push back on a little bit, but it's just going to build up resistance and, and disdain for things. So just see it as, oh, well, there's all these other things I can do. Let's go choose one of those and keep moving forward in that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. And it's funny because you were mentioning um, while we were talking about this early on in the episode, how identity and control go hand in hand. Well, with that also goes the perception of lack. And so this system is perpetuated by your sense that you are lacking, whether you're lacking enough of yourself, lacking money, lacking peace, lacking freedom, it doesn't matter. If you're feeling lack, you're gonna look at the system, you're gonna play in the system and you're gonna look for it to solve your problem. I mean, that's one thing about the pandemic that's really drilled a, a, lot, of, a, a lot of people uh, towards looking for health or help in terms of mental health is that being on their own, they couldn't get past the sense of lack. What about all the things I'm used to doing? Traveling, going to the bar, going to the restaurant, seeing my family, seeing my friends, seeing my support, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm on, I'm on, I'm on my own and I feel like I'm lacking. Right? And that's a lot of people going to therapy for that. And then on the flip side, you have people who have been driven, in, driven into that position of being alone who have went, I can address this feeling myself because it's a perception. And those people aren't as easily swayed by the system. Those people aren't going to go out and necessarily rush to the store on Black Friday to drive the economy. They're not going to go rush to the store to get a new set of, of sunglasses that are going to make them feel more valuable because they don't have that sense of lack. And so that if there's any revolutionary act whatsoever, it's just addressing your sense of lack and seeing where it comes from because the system runs on it. Right. But if enough people actually started coming back down to a grounded sensibility in terms of what they actually need, not what they perceive themselves to need. Like we were talking about uh, advertising like 100 years ago, where if you saw a billboard for a pair of shoes, it would say these shoes guaranteed to last 40 years. It wouldn't say these shoes guaranteed to get you that date. It was a different type of marketing. It was all functionality instead of egotism. Right. And if we can return to that. You watch this economy just hit the toilet because it will, because it's all based on crap. It's all based on, on parts that need to be replaced every year, right? That you will buy because you need to feel like a better person for owning it. And so they were blinded and we go into all of and we run the economy based on that blindness. And so of course it's getting out of hand. Of course we're inflating the money supply. Of course we're coming up with products that do nothing but actually destroy the planet. And at the same time saying that, we're not 
that we care about the planet. This is why I always find it really funny. Like here in town where I live, they've uh, they've gotten rid of plastic bags at the grocery store and they've gotten rid of plastic straws, which is great. Everything else I buy is still wrapped in plastic. Everything. So it seems kind of like a half measure that's again, political. It's meant to address a complaint without actually changing the problem, right? And that's the thing is that so long as, that, as, so long as we are, are just addressing things in terms of short-term solutions, as long as we're just putting band-aids, we're always gonna end up back in the same problem. We're always gonna end up still nursing that wound, except now it's gonna be festering and it's gonna be you know, getting toxic for us because we never addressed it. We never just ripped off the band-aid and went, let's clean this out and move forward with some new knowledge from what we learned. It's like, no, no, we're, we're just gonna patch this up. This is one thing I enjoyed about the Trump presidency was the fact that when he got into power, he showed exactly how much damage he could do with the power that the system had put there for him, right? And that was it. And everybody's complaining about Trump. It's like, he couldn't do all this if the system hadn't been corrupted over time, right? And, and he couldn't, he wouldn't have had all these players behind him to encourage him if the system hadn't been corrupted over time. So we always want to blame that one person, but again, it's, it's, it's the system. So the system's going to change as we do, but I, I genuinely, and I see this in my own life, the less I lack, the less I participate in this, in this mess. Right. And that's it. And when I, because I don't, because I don't lack a sense of uh, alignment and peace in my life, I don't vote for the government, right? Because I don't assume they're going to change anything for me. I prefer to talk to my neighbors. I'll talk to people in my community. I'll talk to people who are actually part of my life. But somebody whose face is on a poster that I've never met, who's probably from another province who moved out here for their political career. I mean, none of that makes sense. None of it does, but it's become habitual. And so we just participate. Yeah, I see a lot of that, <laughs> you know, with the with the plastics and whatnot. It's like... It's another thing you almost can't even fault them for in that way, because the system is so rooted in those beliefs and ideas, but it just seems like, like virtue signaling kind of that thing. Like, oh yeah, this is the thing that most people interact with and see. So we're going to just like make some little changes to appease, but yeah. And yet 90% of the rest of the grocery store is still flooded with with plastic. And so with that mentality of just patching up and using band-aids, it's, it's like, if you never get to the root, but if, if the root is almost like when you go deep enough, it's self-destructing of the system. That's trying to, you know, make people seem like, feel like they're doing something. It's like, I don't know, how is that going to change like the system's not going to change itself i'm guess i guess is the point i'm trying to get across and so it has to come from those with which create and perpetuate the system being everyone of us individually collectively all together so it's not going to be the system the system's not going to solve the problems that the system creates simultaneously it's just this like merry-go-round it's like all right, we're gonna we're gonna make it seem like we're solving this problem, and then we're gonna keep it going and perpetuating it, and we're gonna make it seem like it for a split second, and then we're just gonna keep the rest of the ninety percent of the way, just keep perpetuating it, and until people see that it's the system itself that 
is doing the perpetuating the system that is showing on face on the surface that they're changing is the one causing it. And until people see that more clearly, it's just going to continue in that way until, yeah, until enough of us, enough of our, these cells that create the organism of, of earth and everything see that they are all connected in that way and see that they are, they do have the capacity to derive change if enough of us, enough of me sees it in that way. But until that, until we feel like we can't and we feel like we are separate individuals. And there's so many things in the mainstream that perpetuate that too, even the idea of religion, that's going to keep pushing that narrative. So that's part of the reason I'm okay with with pushing against that because the mentality can never change with the idea that we are separate souls who want to go to heaven and see sky daddy one day, like that mentality will never change any of this. And you, you will never see yourself as your neighbor in that mentality. You'll just, you'll always see the separation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember like, uh, cause the system again, it's, it's always, always, it, is always undermined by the profit that runs it, right? And, and so I remember in the 90s, it was this huge campaign for recycling, reduce, reuse, recycle, blue bins everywhere. And that was great. And then I think it was early 2000s, I was living somewhere and I had to get a blue bin for this new place that I moved into and put all my recycling in it. I was in a new town, brought it out to the street. Next day, went out, half my recycling was still in the bin. Curious, so I called and I asked. Well, apparently the reduce, reuse, recycle program that had had government funding in the '90s and had a huge amount of public support and everything else just kind of people lost interest in it. And so what ended up happening was the private companies that create the plastics ended up funding that that program and decide which plastics they will accept and which ones they won't. So it's the private companies that have undermined the recycling movement so that way they can only they only have to recycle certain plastics because it's more cost effective for them right and it's just that's the problem with the system as a whole is that it is not a free market the system's not a free market because the government's always in there always changing things we saw that in 2008 with the whole too big to fail thing right and so what i would love to see and this is something that ultimately i think we're going to see is the re-emergence of craftsmanship. Like if somebody were out there today who were, was creating containers out of, uh, I don't know, hemp oil or hemp plastic, something like that, something that was biodegradable and were willing to accept cryptocurrency as a result, that was, that's something that people would be able to buy and use and possibly stockpile and then sell to other people who are creating, I don't know, food or creating other items and sell for cryptocurrency as well. So we can actually start creating our own supply line, our own supply chains from person to person to person and have an underground economy that is entirely run on crypto, entirely run, run with products that are made by actual people or at least organizations with, with you know, good intentions. And then if anybody gets into that economy and into that underground economy and they start polluting the environment or they, they start creating things that are crap, people can just stop buying their stuff and the government's not going to come in there and go, Oh, well, we'll give you a subsidy because you know, you pay us lots of money through your lobbyists. 
because that is exactly what's happening. Is that companies that should fail don't because they pay people in power so they don't have to. And that that is, again, evidence of what is wrong with the system. The economy itself would run fine if it was a free market and we actually had a say in the same way as the government would run fine if it was actually by our determination and not by those in power. And so that's the change that we're going to see. But it, it really does come back down to the mentality of responsibility, the, the mentality of being willing to put yourself out there in, in almost like a trade and barter situation where you're talking to somebody and establishing this is how much that's worth to me. And that person go, OK, I can let that go for this much or you can trade anything like that, because at least that economy required us to have empathy and to face one another. Right. If somebody was underhanded in their dealings, you just stop buying from them. But now those underhanded people are in government or at least tied to the government. And so the system continues to get more and more corrupt because all of the safeguards, which is our choice, is slowly being removed. We're losing the ability to influence this system because the system is protecting everybody who's corrupting it. Yeah. Oh, damn. Uh, yeah, with... Uh... With the whole Wall Street idea, even it's fascinating just that like people are able to make money off of money in that way. And like I get it sort of with like investing in a company, something like that with stocks, but I don't know, like, because I have some friends who do stuff like that and they don't talk about it very much because it's quite frankly, it's not very interesting at all. And I think they realize that, but sometimes they do and they'll have like someone else who's in it and they just like go crazy with each other. But it's like, it's so strange because nothing's actually being done. It's just like getting pushed around in different ways. And they're just like making, pulling money off the top. So it's always been fascinating. So when you mentioned things like a trade and barter system, things like that, just de- they just don't happen as much like in that way like eventually they do like clearly something from that time translated and eventually we got to like wall street type dealings but yeah that's uh it's interesting because with that situation like there isn't much of that and just the idea that you can make so much money off of money just like getting pushed around is kind of fascinating and alarming and disgusting and interesting all at the same time like i i don't know but yeah i mean getting back to a trade and barter system and maybe we'll see that more so with cryptocurrency and the lack of need for centralization and central powers and decentralization i'm very hopeful in that. And I, I see it. I don't know. I see it potentially happening and I'm, I'm becoming just, I've been doing a lot of reading and research into it and, and I'm becoming more of a Bitcoin maxi for sure with all of that, because just, there's so many things that nothing else really has in that way when it comes to the long term because I don't necessarily spend my days just like researching micro caps and stuff. And I think you really have to be in the weeds to understand that if you're just willy nilly throwing money around, it's like, and have no idea what's actually going on and and the underlying reasoning for it. It's like, you might as well just be in Vegas, but 
yeah, with, because I'm not willing to spend that time and quite frankly, don't really want to, I don't thoroughly enjoy doing that. Some people do, and that's awesome. And I think there is a lot of money to be made in those situations. But for me with, with Bitcoin, there's just so many aspects of it that other cryptocurrencies don't have that I'm like, I don't know, part of me is just like this, this has to work <laughs> this, this must long-term, like, I don't, I can't be sure about anything else, but it's just proving itself over and over. And with the mentality of the way things are and the things that government overreach is trying to do right now, it's like, it just seems like we're just going to get pushed into that sort of environment where things like that are inevitable and people just kind of demand it. And if they don't demand it, they're just going to start using it and be like, we don't, we don't need you. Quite frankly, we're done with this bullshit and we're doing our own thing and we'll talk to you later. Good luck, but we'll see. That's ultimately what has to happen. I mean, and it's already happening. I mean, when I, when I'm talking about trading and bartering, I mean, there is already a network of people doing that all around the world. Like you, if you go on a Facebook marketplace or, or Kijiji or Craigslist or anything like that, and you have something to trade, you'll find someone, you will find someone. But what's funny about that is again, we were talking about how the system maintains control through the use of their dollars, right? Did you know that the IRS and, and Canada revenue, if you were to trade an item for another item, they require you to declare that in terms of what it would be worth in fiat currency on your taxes. Yeah. Okay. So they even get you on trade. How many people do you think actually do that? Declare how much their value would be for the trade. Very, very few. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, it's because not, it's pointless. No. It doesn't make any sense. Why should you have a, Why should you be involved? I'm not even using your fiat currency, but that's why they get you to evaluate it in terms of fiat currency. So they do have a say. So they can say, yeah, that's in all, our ballpark. Right. Well, if we're trading and we're using any kind of cryptocurrency as a result or, or um, to facilitate that trade, it's still not fiat currency. Right. And that's the point. So it falls outside of the system's control. They're going to have a hell of a lot of problems with it. And this is something that we're seeing right now. Um, I like Bitcoin in, in the fact that because it's deflationary, it's setting a, a good um, example for what currency should do in terms of not being able, not being allowed to inflate. The only problem with Bitcoin, of course, is the fact that it takes forever. To, to transfer and because of the amount of Bitcoin and, and the limit on how many digits there are, it's gonna be very hard for people to trade Bitcoin for something that's worth three bucks, for example, for a small item. Um, so that's where I think you're gonna see more of uh, the, the meme coins come out like Shiba coin, things like that, just because there's so many that, that you, you can be easily adopted by, by retailers and, and uh, individual businesses and things like that. And it can be used to facilitate trade for smaller items. But we have to get to the point where we're actually just trading back and forth. But on the other hand, we also have to start seeing some entre entrepreneurial people who decide to start using their property to say stockpile items and then sell it to people for cryptocurrency rather than for fiat currency, right? There has to be a network that starts to develop of people doing business with one another in order for that background economy to build. And that's gonna take time, but that's also gonna be on, on the back of things that 
that are happening right now, like this conversation, like the convoy and everything that's happening in the States in terms of the government overreach and limited rights, things that people are just going to get tired of this and they're going to start going, okay, we need to do this on our own. We need to figure out something, which is what always happens. This is the background of every revolution in our history. The government increasingly gets out of touch with the people. The people go, well, this can't stand. And they do something else. But now we're at a different point in terms of it being a global government. And we have so many problems in terms of climate change and, and possible world wars and everything else. And so it, it's so much more important for us to realize that our clarity is the most important part of this puzzle. It's not about what the government's doing. It's not about what you know the other countries are doing. It's about our own clarity. Because until we're clear about who we are and what, and what we are in terms of our uh, existence as reality, we can't see anything. We're always going to end up back in that identification, in that confusion. We're always going to make a bigger mess until we can see each other as one. And, and so I just wanted to toss this in there very quickly that I've been thinking about this for 20 years. You may have noticed. Um, I have lots of ideas, huge amounts of, of, of things that could work potentially with enough people behind it, with enough resources behind it, with enough momentum behind it. And so if you would like to see what Andrew and I can kick up in, in reality, what we're up to as a whole and what we're able to do with more resources, do join us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you, ac you have access to 20 hours of additional footage. Uh, we, we do live groups three times a week. Uh, you have access to our eBooks and numerous other things that we're going to be releasing over time. But more importantly, you get to be a part of whatever dualistic unity becomes over time. And as you may have noticed from listening to us here, we may not be shooting for an end result, but that doesn't mean we don't have lofty ambitions. As, as doors open, we're going to walk through them and we're gonna walk through them to see what's possible. And we would love for you to join us on that. So if you would like to join us at patreon.com slash dualistic unity, there are lots of perks I promise you won't regret it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll be sure I've been linking that down with the timestamps in, uh, in each of the episodes. So we'll have that linked down below. Um, and just quick clarification, the live groups are three times a month, not three times a week, though, at some point, <laughs> at some point, we may get to that point. Certainly, we get enough of enough of you involved. I'm, I'm ripe and ready to be able to just do this shit all the time and have this conversation. And I mean, between TikTok lives and, and free zooms and stuff. It, it's close to three times a week anyway, but yeah, Patreon is exciting and it's been cool because we've been able to build relationships with the people who are in it right now, because it is a smaller group, which I know it's not going to remain that way forever, but for the time being, I kind of appreciate that and how in touch we're able to be with everyone and how much of an influence they're, they're able to have on things and, and asking the questions oftentimes facilitates our ideas and things we discuss on the podcast as well, that and, and discord and, and whatnot. So it's, and yeah, discord has a, has a big influence and those conversations are always a lot of fun because everyone's kind of involved in that conversation. So, so that's been, that's been awesome, but yeah, it's exciting to see the shifts beginning to, uh, take place. And even just this past week, we've seen a, the big, the swell, the swell is building and, and it's, it's fun to see, but yeah, I'm nothing but excited for, for everything to come to continue doing this with no necessarily strict goals in mind, but just the enjoyment 
of it each week is very much enough and all I really want to do these days. So excited to have more people involved. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, and it's funny because I'm very happy with my existence as a whole. Um, if I never got involved with dualistic unity, I'd be still happy with my existence as a whole. Um, but the more people get involved, the more conversations we have, the more people are willing to pledge month to month and help us out that way. The more I start to see other doors opening in our future, the, the more I start to see other opportunities that might be available to us to get other people involved. And ultimately, what I want to see or what, what I want to see us continue to do is just to continue drawing attention to this conversation. That's all I want to do is just bring the conversation out into the world and have it featured in, in more uh, table talk conversations or dinner time conversations. I, I would really like to see people just talking about this as a matter of interest. We're not trying to recruit anybody. We're not trying to turn anybody to a religion. We're not trying to do anything other than just, hey, there's a whole conversation that could change our entire existence if we just had it. Let's have it. And to be as, as loud and, and enthusiastic as possible about that. I've often said, you know, if I, if I ever had a, had a microphone and a warehouse full of people, I'd be stoked because it's just, hey, let's just talk. Let's just keep talking. And so as we continue to do this and grow, we're going to keep talking and we're going to talk to as many people in as many places as we can. Hopefully, as this pandemic starts to wind down, we'll be doing that live as well at some actual events and locations. I would love to get to the point where we actually start having some guests or, or a panel on stage, do some debates in front of people, maybe have a couple of channelers join us. I'd love to talk to Bashar face to face. Um, there's just so many things as well as, again, being able to actually help in the world. Like, for example, one thing I would love to do if we get the resources to do so is just to fill a couple of semi-trailers full of supplies and send it out to an Indigenous reserve that's having problems or to come up with some water filters and send it out to some Indigenous reserves or to come up with some food and send it to some homeless people in cities that need them or to provide tents. But not just to donate money, but to actually use our resources to help people without it being a write-off, without it being a business expense, without it being any of these things, but it actually being what it's meant to be, us acting in unison for the point of acting in unison, not because we're going to go to heaven afterwards or any other such fiction, but because we want to here and now. We get into that mentality, we do that loudly and with enough enthusiasm, we start a different kind of revolution. Yeah, because at the end of the day with that, we're only helping ourselves, right? <laughs> and that's that's the whole thing. But yeah, I, I can picture the day when we're just chilling up on stage at like a we're doing like a mushroom retreat or something. And just the the two of us up there with a microphone and anyone who wants, there's like a bunch of other chairs on the stage and anyone who wants to join us on stage can do it. So we're not just like all high and mighty sitting up in our chairs being like, Oh, ta ta ta. <laughs> Cause I don't want that shit either, but I, I can see it, it, it. And I'm excited for that to just have live Q and A's and just talk about shit and when it's from the question of how are we all the universe to the question of I'm feeling really nervous about this school project. How, how do you cope with that? It's like, there isn't, it doesn't have to be strictly this like sort of metaphysical, crazy conversation. That's super out of touch with everything that goes on in our day-to-day -day lives, even though it's like 
simultaneously in touch with it. Like that's a, that's the beauty of this conversation is it's applicable to any level of the conversation that you want. Anyone that is going through anything like that. Cause anything that, that comes back to nerves or worries is all rooted in identity as well. So it's from any level of suffering that we experience is the feeling of separation and the feeling that things should be different than they are right now. And the idea that, that right now isn't all there ever is, you know, it all ties back to that. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to, start doing some live stuff that, that would be so cool and i'm looking forward to everyone that's involved now that's in in all of this conversation this early being a part of it because it'll be a fun ride for sure absolutely and i just wanted to actually say thank you to the people who are currently helping us on patreon with our upcoming sticker campaign um if anybody's listening and you're not aware of what's happening andrew and i have created uh, some stickers with some insightful quotes that we're going to be putting up in high traffic areas pretty much all over the world, wherever people are willing to stick those stickers up for us um, as a way of just pushing some exposure. And so if you are on Patreon um, or if, if you're not yet and you'd like to be, we're going to be offering some of those stickers to our supporters so you can put them up in high traffic areas in your own city. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely join us on Patreon and let us know. We'll be sending those stickers out probably in the next two to three weeks. I know Andrew's taking off to Florida there shortly, so they'll probably arrive shortly after he receives though those Likewise, um, just a quick announcement because this was a fairly new development. Dualistic Unity now has some swag. We have uh, some sweaters and there's some cell phone cases and there's a yoga mat. Um, if you go to dualisticunity.com and check out the store, there's a banner just at the top and just click on that and it'll take you through to our Teespring store where you can purchase a bunch of branded stuff. Um, there's some neat graphics and some good quotes and it's it's our first foray into this into swag. So definitely give us your feedback and we'll design some more as we keep going there. Um, and likewise, I just wanted to remind everybody that this Wednesday, we are doing a live group session for tier two patrons and up. So if you're on tier two or tier three, then you have access to this live group. It's going to be every fourth Wednesday of the month. Um, and then I did want to mention one more thing that we have a third tier on Patreon that we haven't talked about at length as yet. Uh, we do have a few supporters. Anybody who is on the third tier of Patreon also gets a shout out in the credit roll of these videos, of these podcast videos. So if you are a third tier supporter and you're running a business, this is an ideal situation for you in, in that you can get some exposure to our audience and you're helping us as we move forward with our lofty ambitions. And so I just wanted to mention that quickly and again, say thank you to everybody who has been supporting us so far, just so you know, we have some, some big things in the works and we're excited to share it with you. Yeah, super excited for all of it. And yeah, looking forward to that live group chat on Wednesday. Those are always a lot of fun. Always have great conversations. So for anyone who is going to be joining, looking forward to speaking with you. Anyone who would like to join, we will link that in the description of this video. So. That's awesome. So I think that's all the announcements. We're running up to the two hour mark. I've noticed that uh, we rarely 
stop before the two hour mark. We're usually around an hour and 45, hour and 50. I think our shortest episode was the very first episode at 50, mi- at 50 minutes or 55 minutes. So we will stop this here. But of course, we're going to chat for a little bit after the episode as well. That video you'll also be able to access on Patreon as well. And if you can't join us on Patreon, I can't suggest enough that you join us on Discord because the conversation that's happening on Discord is the conversation that we've been talking about throughout this episode. That's where it's growing. It's growing in other places too, but Discord is definitely one place that if you're looking for a place to get involved with this conversation with other people that maybe you don't have in your day-to-day life, join us on Discord. You can access it through the community button on our website. Yeah, love Discord. I'm in there, we're both in there pretty frequently getting involved in the conversation, but a lot of the conversation is also happening without us at all. There's, I don't know, 140 or 150 people there now. Yeah, it's grown pretty big. So. Super exciting to see as well. Awesome. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. Of course, we have another Q&A episode coming up in the near future. So if you have any questions for us, do get in touch with us and in Discord or on Patreon or through social media, and we will try and include your question in the upcoming Q&A. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.